Early in American history, a young teenage boy claimed he received a revelation from God. He started a movement that he claimed was true Christianity. Was he right or wrong? Today, the movement he began is known as Mormonism. Welcome to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerin. Dr. Zuckerin is an expert on world religions as well as a Christian scholar, author, and popular speaker. Recently, Pat spoke to an audience on Mormonism and offered analysis from a biblical standpoint. Today, you'll hear part one of that presentation. And please keep in mind that there are powerful resources on topics like this at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism is available on audio, past shows, interviews with leading experts, and Pat's books and articles. So be sure you stop by today online at evidenceandanswers.org. And now here's Pat Zuckerin with part one of Mormonism, Christianity, or Cult. A few years ago, I was at a wedding, and... I was sitting next to a wonderful couple. We started talking, and, you know, we've been great friends ever since. And eventually got to the topic, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I work with a Christian ministry called Probe Ministries. It's a Christian apologetics ministry in the defense of the Christian faith. And he just got so excited. He stood up, and he was like, honey, honey, calling his wife. Oh, you got to hear this. You got to hear this. And I said, oh, I said, uh, I said, I said, I say something? And he said, everything you're doing is exactly what I want to be. I want to be in the defense of the Christian faith just like you. You are doing everything that I'm studying to do. I'm going to, you know, get my master's, my Ph.D. at Southern Methodist University, and you are doing everything that I want to do. And his wife came over, and they were just overjoyed and said, man, how would you do it? Where would you study? Uh, and then I said, well, what church do you belong to? And they said, we belong to the Christian church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. <laughs> and I sat down and went, oh, okay. So... We began to talk a little bit, and then he asked me the question. This is a wedding, you know. He said, you know, I listen to Chuck Swindoll. I listen to uh, the Bible Answer Man and others, other Christian stations. And once in a while, they say Mormonism is a cult. He said, do you think we're a cult? You know, that's the question we're going to answer tonight. Mormonism, is that Christian or is that something else? Now, this is one of the fastest-growing religious organizations that have come out of the United States. Today, there are over 11 million members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. More than half of them now live outside the United States. Tremendous missionary zeal this organization has. Over 60,000 missionaries in 162 countries. They've published over 1 million, 100 million copies of the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ in over 93 languages. And they've established more than a hundred Mormon temples worldwide. Now, the Mormon church claims to be a Christian church. They claim to be another Christian denomination. Like we have Baptists, Methodists, Lutheran. They claim to be another Christian church. Well, we're going to see if indeed we can embrace them as fellow believers in Jesus Christ, or do they belong in another category? Now, the brief history of the Mormon church is this. Its founder is Joseph Smith, born in 1805, died in 1844. Now, as a young boy of 14 years old, Joseph Smith would go into the woods to pray, and he believes that in 1820, at least one of the versions, the official version now, there are several versions here, but the official version now, 
by the Mormon church is that in 1820, he received a visitation from God the Father and Jesus Christ. Later, he received other visitations. In 1823, he received a visit from Moroni, the angel Moroni, who told him where gold plates were buried in the hills of Cumora in Palmyra, New York. There, And Joseph Smith claims that he went there, uncovered the golden plates that told the story which make up the Book of Mormon. That during the time of the Tower of Babel, a group of Jewish people came to the Americas and established great civilizations, the caliber like Egypt and Babylon, great cities uh, here in America and Central America and South America. And later on, during the Babylonian exile, a second group came. Uh, Lehi uh, was the leader, and his son Nephi eventually became the leader. And uh, they were white-skinned people settling here in the United States and in Central America, building vast cities. Well, eventually, the other sons of Lehi, the Lamanites, rebelled and were cursed with dark skin, and they are believed to be the forefathers of the American Indians. And a great battle took place, and the Nephites were eventually wiped out. And if you read the Book of Mormon, there on the hill of Cumorah, thousands, tens of thousands of Nephites were killed there, wearing their full regalia of metal armor. There were great civilizations covering these continents. What is interesting is that when you look at the Book of Mormon, you find no maps of where these cities are. There are supposed to be hundreds of these great cities covering North and South America. Uh, Mormon archaeologists have tried in vain to find these cities. They have not been able to find any, to the great frustration of many. In fact, on this hill of Cumorah, there in Palmyra, New York, they reenact the great battle in which the Nephites were destroyed, tens of thousands of them. Yet we found no trace of any battle, no grave, no spearheads, no metal objects. Uh, no trace has been found. Unlike the Bible, we, you know, if you look in your Bible, you've got maps to all the ancient cities that are mentioned. We found coins mentioned throughout the New Testament. We have ancient manuscripts that date back uh, to the first century. We have a lot of archaeological verification for our Old and New Testament, which is missing for the Book of Mormon. Now, from 1825 to his death, Joseph Smith received further revelations from the angel Moroni, John the Baptist, the Apostle John, and others, which became the Doctrine and Covenants and the Pearl of Great Price. These are other revelations equal to the Bible in authority. And where there's a contradiction between the Book of Mormon or Doctrine and Covenants and the Bible, generally more authority is placed on what is believed to be the inspired Mormon works. Now, Mormons claim to be another Christian denomination. They claim to teach what the Bible teaches and therefore should be embraced as another Christian denomination here. The late Gordon Hinckley on Larry King Live said this, The crown of the gospel of Jesus Christ is upon our head. In this dispensation, the Lord has declared that this church, the Mormon church, is the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth. Well, are Mormons Christians? Should we embrace them as another Christian denomination? You know, I've got a lot of Mormon friends 
great, wonderful, wonderful people, as I'm sure many of you do, some of the nicest people that you're going to meet. And I would gladly welcome them as another Christian denomination. I'd be the first one to jump on the bandwagon if their teachings are consistent with what God's Word teaches. Well, we're going to take a look at just three essential doctrines tonight. The doctrine of God, doctrine of Jesus Christ, and the doctrine of salvation. Simple, huh? Those three basic doctrines. All right? And see if we match up, if we're teaching the same thing the Bible teaches, or if they're teaching something else. Let's take a look at what the uh, uh, Bible teaches. Once again, Bruce R. McConkie. He, the late Bruce R. McConkie was a great theologian and apologist for the Mormon church. He wrote their theology book here called Mormon Doctrine. You find this in a used bookstore, a great tool to pick up. It's uh, like a dictionary that summarizes all Mormon beliefs. Okay? Um, you can also get it on the internet as well. Okay? Mormon Doctrine, one of their major theological works here. Bruce R. McConkie said this, Mormonism is Christianity. Christianity is Mormonism. They are one and the same. They are not to be distinguished from each other in the minutest detail. Mormons are true Christians. Their worship is pure Christianity, authored by Christ, accepted by Peter, James, John, and all the ancient saints. Well, let's take a look at what the Bible teaches regarding the doctrine of God. The Bible teaches monotheism, that there is only one God. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 39, The Lord, He is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath. There is none else. Isaiah 45, 5, I am the Lord, there is none else. There is no God besides me. Historic Judaism and Christianity has always taught there is one God, creator of all things. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created all things out of nothing. Isaiah 45, verse 12, It is I who made the earth and created mankind upon it. Mine own hand stretched out the heavens. I marshaled their starry hosts. He's eternal. He has no beginning and he has no end. God was always God. There never was a time when God was not God. Hmm? Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Psalm 90, verse 2. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. God has been in existence from eternity. There never was a time where God was not existent. He did not come into existence he is eternal. He's always been God. God is unchanging. But you remain the same and your ears never end. Psalm 102. Malachi 3.6. I, the Lord, do not change. God is not growing. He is not learning and evolving and transforming himself. The character of God has always remained the same. He's been fully God from everlasting to everlasting. And we believe that there is one God revealed in three distinct persons. We call this the doctrine of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You see what we call the Trinitarian formula throughout the New Testament. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name, a singular name, one in um, being, of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Definite article in front of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Okay? In other words, there's one what and three who's. One in nature, three in person. One God, 
revealed in three distinct, eternal, unchanging persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, He is the unique, divine Son of God, the one and only. There's none other like Him. There's no one like Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Christ was from all eternity. There never was a time when Christ was not existing. Now, the incarnation, where he took on human form, that's what we celebrate at Christmas, but Christ has always been existent as the eternal Son of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. There's only one. There's only one Son of God. There's no one else like him. Salvation. Salvation is a gift of grace received by faith, not by good works. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation or any kind of exalted status in the heavens. We are saved by grace. There's nothing we can do. All we can do, all we are asked to do by God is to receive the gift He's given us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.89, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. All right, let's take a look at Mormonism now, the Mormon doctrine of God. Remember, the Bible teaches there's one God, creator of all things, from everlasting to everlasting, eternal. He has always been God. There never was a time God was not God. What does Mormonism teach? Let's see if it matches up with what the Bible teaches. First of all, Mormonism teaches polytheism, that there are numerous gods who were once men who through their good life attain exaltation to godhood and rule on one of the millions of planets throughout the universe. In other words, God has a beginning. There was a time God did not exist. He became, came in human form and through his good life attained exaltation unto godhood. And there are numerous gods in the universe and all Mormon men have the ability, like God the Father and Jesus, to become a god of their own planet. Mormon doctrine. Once again, the theological work of the Mormon church. Bruce McConkie states, A plurality of gods exists. Many gods exist. There is an infinite number of holy personages drawn from worlds without number who have passed on to exaltation and are thus gods. Okay, page 576 of Mormon Doctrine. In the book of Abraham, in the Pearl of Great Price, Chapter 4 through 5, it says, And they, the God said, let there be light, and there was light. And they, the God said, on and on and on. The term gods is used in the plural over 50 times in chapters 4 and 5 in the book of Abraham in the Pearl of Great Price. God was once a man, like you and I, who through his good life attained exaltation unto godhood. One of the famous sayings by the fifth president, Lorenzo Snow, he stated this, as man now is, God once was. As God now is, man may become. The Doctrine and Covenants, one of the uh, inspired works by Joseph Smith, says, God is a glorified and perfected man, a personage of flesh and bones. Oh, right, so you get it? God was a man like you and I, who through his good life attained exaltation unto Godhood. So God the Father of this planet lived his life on another planet, and through his good life attained godhood and became the god of this planet. Gospel through the ages. This is the 
theology book for Mormons who are going to go through the temple rituals. It says this, God and man are of the same race, differing only in their degrees of advancement. Okay, the only difference between you and God is that he's, a, he's advanced more than you are. Right? Brigham Young, in the teachings of the presidents of the church, Brigham Young, of course, is the second president. Uh, there's a university named after him, Brigham Young University, here in Hawaii and in Salt Lake City. It says, the God the Fa- God, that God the Father was once a man on another planet who passed the ordeal we are now passing through. Joseph Smith, teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 345. God himself was once as we are now and is an exalted man and sits enthroned in yonder heavens. I'm going to tell you how God came to be God. We have imagined and supposed that God was God from all eternity. I will refute that idea and take away the veil so that you may see he was once a man like us. Yea, that God himself, the Father, dwelt on an earth the same as Jesus Christ himself did. Hey, you getting the picture? Bruce R. McConkie, once again in Mormon doctrine, man and God are of the same race, and it is within the power of righteous man to become like his father, that is to become a holy man, a man of holiness, page 465-466. So they teach a polytheistic, or what we call henotheistic doctrine of God. They believe that there are numerous gods in the universe, but the, one, the three they worship on this earth are God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. So when you talk to a Mormon, he's, he'll say, I'm a monotheist. I'm a Trinitarian just like you. I worship God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. Same thing. It, no, it's not. Okay? You're gonna have to, when you talk to them, you're going to have to get them to define their terms. They believe many gods exist, but of the many gods in the universe, they worship just the three here. Okay? That's called henotheism. Henotheism, the belief that there are many gods, but the focus of worship is just upon one of the chief gods. God was once a man and not eternally God. And there's a false trinity there. It's actually tritheism. The Bible teaches there's one God revealed in three distinct persons. Mormonism teaches there are three gods who make up the Godhead of this world. All right? You get the difference? Three separate personages, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, comprise the Godhead. As each of these persons is a God, it is evident from this standpoint alone that a plurality, many gods, exists. To us speaking in the proper finite sense, these three are the only gods we worship. But in addition, there are um, an infinite number of holy personages drawn from worlds without number who have passed exaltation and are thus gods. Mormon doctrine, page 576. Uh, the teachings of Joseph Smith, page 372. Many men say there is one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are only one God. I say that is a strange God, anyhow, three in one and one in three. All are to be crammed into one God according to secretarianism. It would make the biggest God in all the world. He would be a wonderfully big God. He would be a giant or a monster. All right, so Joseph Smith clearly denounced the biblical doctrine of the Trinity. And God has a body of flesh and bones. In the Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 130, God is a glorified and perfected man, a personage of flesh and bones. Inside his tangible body is an eternal spirit. So if you go up to the heavens now, you can give God a big hug. And Mormonism teaches that God is a sexual polygamist. In other words, after God attained exaltation unto Godhood, 
He exists on another planet producing spirit babies waiting for fleshly bodies to inhabit with his many spirit wives. And so the goal of the Mormon woman is to be eternally pregnant. How about that, women? You all for that? To be eternally pregnant. See, the men are laughing. All the women are going, To be eternally pregnant. um, And on this earth, your duty would be to produce as many children as you can, women. Why? There are hundreds of spirit babies out there waiting for human bodies to inhabit so they can make their journey unto godhood as well. So the duty of every Mormon woman is to produce as many babies as she possibly can. Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 132 says this, If a man marry a wife by my word, ye shall come forth in the first resurrection. And if it be after the first resurrection, in the next resurrection, and shall inherit thrones, kingdoms, principalities, then they shall be gods, because they have no end. So a Mormon couple who lives a worthy life, Upon the day of resurrection, the husband will call his wife from the grave and they will inherit another planet where they will produce spirit babies with his other spirit wives for all eternity. Who, and these spirit babies will await fleshly bodies so they can make the journey unto godhood as well. Bruce R. McConkie, once again, in Mormon Doctrine, page 516, an exalted and glorified man of holiness could not be a father unless a woman of like glory, perfection, and holiness was associated with him as a mother. The beginning of children makes a man a father and a woman a mother, whether we are dealing with man in his mortal or immortal state. James Talmadge, he was part of the Quorum of the Twelve, one of the major theologians in the Mormon church, and he wrote this, We are to understand that only resurrected and glorified beings can become parents of spirit offspring, and the spirits born to them in the eternal worlds will pass in due sequence through the several stages or states by which the glorified parents have attained exaltation. So there you go. It is the goal of every Mormon a man or woman to pass through this life and attain exaltation unto Godhood. So as you can see, the Mormon doctrine of God differs quite a bit from the biblical teaching on God. What about Jesus Christ? Mormonism teaches that Jesus is the first of the spirit child born to God the Father and one of his many wives on another planet. And we were all spirit children on this planet with Jesus as well. Not only Jesus, but also Satan was there. So Jesus and Satan and the rest of us are brothers. We all lived on another planet. We were spirit children on another planet with God the Father and his many wives. We were spirit children there. Jesus was the first spirit child born to God the Father and one of his wives. And Satan is a brother of Jesus. Now, how did Satan become Satan? Well, God gathered, God the Father gathered his sons together and made a plan to inhabit this planet with human beings, with fleshly bodies, so these spirit children could go and inhabit, uh, go uh, inhabit these bodies and make their journey unto exaltation, to Godhood, as God and Jesus did. Jesus offered his plan to let men and women choose. Satan wanted to make them follow by force. And so they voted and Jesus won. And so Satan and one-third of the spirit children rebelled against God the Father and Jesus. And a great cosmic war was fought on this planet. And Satan was defeated. And all the spirit children with him were cast here to this earth. And he became Satan, never to inhabit a fleshly body. Those who fought courageously with Jesus 
when they got their fleshly bodies, had white and delightsome skin. And those who remained neutral were born with dark or cursed skin. All right, Jesus was man's gospel through the ages. Once again, this is the text through which uh, Mormons will go through before they go to the temple. Jesus was man's spiritual brother, but became God, equal to the Father after his death, ascension, and exaltation. So Jesus was a man like you or I, just like us, who through his good life, attain exaltation to godhood, and we can all do the same. The gospel principles. Every person who has ever been born on the earth was our spirit brother or sister in heaven. The first spirit born to our heavenly parents was Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is not the eternal, unique Son of God. Jesus Christ has a beginning. There was a time when he did not exist, and he is just like you and I, who through his good life attain exaltation to Godhood. The Mormon doctrine of God differs quite a bit from the biblical teaching on God. There is so much more for Pat to say on Mormonism, but we're out of time, so we'll pick it up there next time. And keep in mind, you can get this entire series at evidenceandanswers.org. You know, all of us have a worldview, and it's just what it says, a way one views the world. And whether we realize it or not, we all interpret life and meaning through the lens of our worldview. That means we need to be sure our worldview is accurate. And that's one of the main benefits of the resources we have for you at evidenceandanswers.org. An analysis of everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism to help you as you think about your worldview. So download some past radio shows at evidenceandanswers.org. And when you do, you'll help us financially as we seek to stay on this station with good information. And as always, your donations are a tremendous blessing to us. Just click the Donate button at evidenceandanswers.org. Please do so today. And we'll see you next time on Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuccarin.